0: Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Coca Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. It's time for another edition of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireAct.com. I'm your host. Tony Simeone, so excited to have you with us for another men's basketball episode. Before we get into it, do want to extend our congratulations to the Notre Dame men's soccer team for making it all the way to the national championship, which we got a chance to watch last night. Came up just one game short, but what an incredible season they had going all the way to the title game. On this week's show, we talked to the head coach, Micah Shrewsbury, as we always do, broke down their most recent contest from this past week. And then also in our second segment, you want to stick around for this. If you were with us the last time, he broke down where he prefers his Dr. Pepper to come from, whether it's from a can, bottle, or fountain. Our friends at Coke brought in three different Sherry Cokes out of a fountain, can, and bottle, and we put him to a blind taste test to see if he could identify where those products came from. It was a really fun taste test with him trying to figure out which came from where. After that, we talked to Trey Whitted and Grady Eifert, two members of this staff that are new to South Bend coming over with Coach Shrews, got their impressions of the town and also what their roles are on the staff as well. And then finally, at the end of the show, we talked to longtime voice of Notre Dame men's basketball, Jack Nolan. It was great to catch up with him. He always has so many great stories about what's going on in his retirement as well as some of the stuff he saw in his long time here in South Bend. So we've got a ton to cover on this show. And without further ado, here's Micah Shrewsbury. All right, Coach, welcome back. Good to have you here. We're going to talk about the two games from this past week, but let's start with the topic we were just diving into before we hit record. Pre-game intros. Uh, We were just talking about Marquette. There were some pyrotechnics. They have some here at Notre Dame as well. You said you block all that out as the head coach, so you don't see what's going on around you when the game's getting ready to tip off. What are you locked in on? Uh, Really, like the game Mm -hmm. or thinking about
1: how it's going to flow or, or, you know, what what I'm – thinking about telling our guys as like the last moment before we go out and tip. So um I'm usually just sitting on the bench. I got my, my board there that's got the first play ready, but I always write a few things like, like final reminders at the bottom of the board for mm-hmm. our guys to talk about when we huddle. Okay. So I miss a lot
0: of what's happening. You and, said NBA, yeah. though. You were taking it in. Miami was the best one or the one you'd see the video the most? Well, they they all –
1: the videos are fantastic in the NBA, (laughs) by the way. And, you know, as an assistant coach, like, you're not thinking about as much during the game. Mm -hmm. So you get a chance to watch the videos, right? Like, you can't really get into the huddle anyway. So it's not like you can hear what coach is saying. Right. So you're just standing out. You're watching the videos, everything else. So Miami, you know, obviously the heat. So, like, you can definitely feel the heat, like, when they shoot the flames up. <laughs> but it's all over the arena. It's, like, behind both backboards. It's all over the court. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do that. Um, the Bulls, obviously, their their lead-in's iconic. The song. The song, mm-hmm. but the Bulls, like, the video with the Bulls running through the city of Chicago. And then they get to the United Center, and they have a bus sitting there, and it's a visiting team logo. Yeah. And the bulls run through the bus like there's there's really there's some really creative videos that uh, that are out there in the NBA.
0: I know some people they're over here that we could have you work with and consult on for next year's intro video if you got some ideas. So you could put them and share them, and we can talk about it next year.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll wait till the off season (laughs) when uh, when I'm not really focused on that. But uh, yeah, there are some there's such such really good creative stuff. And we, you know, we have an unbelievable creative team here. So, you know, their minds are better than mine.
0: (laughs) You're focused on hoops. Let's talk some hoops. I thought Western Michigan was the most complete game you guys have played this year. You had four different guys getting double figures. What was your takeaway from that game? What did you like as the head coach? Kind of big picture a month into the season.
1: I think we really focused – You know, it was a short turnaround on on a two-day prep. Mm -hmm. You know, you played Saturday, and then you only have Sunday and Monday to get ready. So Sunday is the day after a game Mm -hmm. and travel, so it's not like you can do a lot. And then Monday is the day before a game. So there's not a a lot you can do. We really focused on our offense, on how we wanted to move the ball, how we wanted to share a ball, how we wanted to try and attack them. And I thought we Mm -hmm. did it really well. Um, I thought we attacked them in – in a good way for you know longer stretches than, than we've played offensively.
0: I thought Tay Davis, he's someone we've talked about. He's growing kind of every single game. He gave you 19 and 10. What kind of dynamic does he provide for this team? Because it looks like he does it on both sides of the floor. And as you kind of project him out, are kind of the next steps that he can take in his development?
1: Yeah, he, he really is his versatility defensively and mm-hmm. who he guards, how he can guard different people how he can move around. Um, that's been really big for us
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to be able to have him do that. Um, offensively, you know, he gives us another guy that can that can handle the ball, right? Like, you know, ideally for me, I'm, I'm always playing, you know, when we get to this point, right? I'm, you always want multiple ball handlers on the court at one time, right? right. Like, okay. you know, really like you're playing two point guards together. And they not may not necess- necessarily be full-time point guards, um, but they've played some point guard in the past, right? Okay. So you got multiple guys that can handle the ball, that can initiate offense. Um, but really, we do it with all of our guards, right? Mm-hmm. We just play four guards, and all those guys are coming off pick and rolls. So um, he wasn't asked to do that very much. Yeah. And now this is pretty new for him again. So um, – his reads out of the pick and roll, I think, you know, he's been doing a good job attacking closeouts and driving past people on the move. But now doing it in the pick and roll, reading the defense and figuring out where to make the right pass, I think that's where, you know, he should see continued growth as the year goes on.
0: The other player we talked about after that game who is just someone that I think kind of flies under the radar and I watch him play and he's got a very stoic demeanor is Julian Roper. I don't think he missed a shot in the second half. He seems to do a lot of things for you guys that might not show up on the box score. What does he do for you as someone that's at least played a good amount of college basketball, more than a lot of guys on this team, that we might not see on the floor? Because it's great when we see it in that game against Western Michigan, but I I get the sense like he does a lot for you that we might not see.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and I've talked about you know, the toughness that he kinda of brings to us when when there's moments where you just kinda of need a tough play. Hmm. Um he usually makes it or he comes up with it, right? Like, you know, some of those rebounds or deflections or the you know, he'll tip it away to start a fast break or he'll, you know, just small little things that happen. Hmm. And um he wins a lot of those kind of fifty fifty balls that are out there that You know, if the offense gets them, they usually lead the threes, right? Everybody's seen that. When the ball's bouncing around on the court and you don't get it as a defense, the offense gets it. It's usually pass, another pass, three. And it goes in every time, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel it as a coach, right? Like, you know, when it happens for you, it's like, yep, that's going in. Like, you just say it because you know it. And, like, you know, one of the things we used to always talk about is the game honors toughness. and that's where you see it come out, right? Those those kind of plays that are 50-50. It's like, you could win it or I could win it. Okay. And the team that usually wins it, something good happens for them right there. And and Julian helps us kind of come up with more plays than not.
0: I wanted to ask about Braden because I think it was the second game this year. <clears throat> He's kind of busted out for four threes in a game. I always think about shooters because they're such a – at least in my head – such a unique kind of player that you have to coach because you want them to keep shooting, right? But when it's not going in early on in a season, let's say, what are the conversations like when you have someone that you know can shoot it the way Braden can, but the first couple weeks of the year it's not going in to make sure that he still has his confidence going through the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I I think confidence is a huge part. And you you want all your guys playing confident. And I think, you know, early on, you know, the, the kind of thing that I wanted to talk to her about more was like, just take good ones. right? Just, just get the inside out threes. Okay. Let's, let's get some of those and get something to fall. And now you start to like get that mojo back a little bit. Right. And and um, then, you know, let's, let's, then you can move on to what's next. Right. <laughs> but let's make some of these, let's get some in transition. And I think that's where, you know, when he's had those couple of games, he's gotten a couple in transition. He's mm-hmm. gotten some kick-out threes on uh, driving kick opportunities. So, uh, really just just finding your way, finding your place, but staying confident. Like yeah. all of our guys, like, yeah. um, you know, guys get mad when they don't make shots. And as a coach, you know, I always talk to him and, you know, just you use Braden as an example. Like, I've seen how much he's worked. Right. So it's like it's not like you're not putting the work in, right? And, yeah, like I'm sure you're upset that you put the work in and then it's not coming through the way you want it It's frustrating. It but, like, how frustrating would it be if you didn't work at all? I guess you wouldn't be frustrated at all because then you wouldn't even expect to to make it. Yeah. So it's I guess it's okay. But um, he's put the time in. He's yeah. put the work in. All of our guys have. And we haven't shot it great. But, like, you know,
0: water will find its level at some point. To, to your point, <clears throat> he knocked down the four, and then I thought he had maybe his most impressive one of the year at Marquette. Kind of, a, I don't know if it was a baseline inbound, but that left corner three, we caught it kind of moving away. A sidebar here, who's the best shooter you've either, either ever coached against or co- had coached uh, under you, whether it's at the college or professional level? Who's the best shooter you've ever seen? Man, um, you know, for a, for a
1: while there, you know, because a, a lot of them, you know, as you go through the NBA stuff, that it, it gets like there's a lot of guys that come up, right? Like, you know, Kyrie's an unbelievable shooter. And mm-hmm. I think that goes unnoticed about his game is he's a great shooter. Um, but he doesn't do as much because he has the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, preparing in the playoffs for like J.J. Redick when they were at peak. And they were at, like, peak Sixers. sixers. Yeah, uh, Him and Joel. Him and Joel were mm-hmm. really good off dribble handoffs. JJ would be running from baseline to baseline, coming off those screens. Like, elite, elite shooter there. Um, but there's one guy that played for us at Butler, and his name was Pete Campbell. Pete Campbell. And before I got, the year before I got to Butler, I want to say Pete shot, like, 54 percent from three in conference play this is old three-point line though right the old three-point so it's a little closer
3: yeah okay. but
1: it didn't matter where Pete shot <laughs> okay. the ball it was going in he was he was an elite shooter and he had good size he was about six eight and, and could really shoot it he's he didn't move and shoot like some of those other guys like he was different than J.J. Redick and those other
0: guys but and when he caught it and teed it up. It was it going was, in. It was automatic. Mm. You're you're speaking my language with the JJ stuff cuz I grew up watching Duke on the West Coast. He was my guy and they just would run at Duke, single double, single double, I and mean, pin downs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then with Philly, he and Joel had it kind of figured out like you yeah. said. And I always thought the most impressive thing about him, and this is what I think is tough to teach probably shooters is that he could shoot like Bidirectionally, he could shoot moving right moving left it's hard to get your feet set and, and shoot it the way he would like be moving yeah. as he was shooting it which yeah. is tough to guard fantastic
1: And there's a there's another guy I, I don't remember his name um he plays for the golden state warriors
0: <laughs> number 30 or 11 30. 30, yes. yeah, yeah. He's an he, Under Armour he guy. Was a, he was a pretty good shooter as well. <laughs> yeah, Steph Kerr is pretty good. He can do it in a lot of different ways. Let's talk about the Marquette game. Uh, obviously, you didn't get the result you wanted, and, and not the start you wanted. I heard your pre- press uh, post-game press conference. thought there was some good stuff in there about this is where you can be. Mar- Marquette is where you can be in maybe three, four years is kind of what you, I think the message was a little bit. What did you learn about your team in that game? It's a great team. I think it's we talked about before the game. Probably the best team you've seen to this point in the year. Could be the best team you see all year. What's the value of playing against a team like that? And what do you think your team learned in those 40 minutes, even though you didn't get the result you wanted?
1: Yeah. Um, they were. They, they're the best team we've played. And no disrespect to anybody we've played. Sure. I don't think it's close. Hmm. Um, their continuity with how they play. Um, the kind of tenacity that they play with, especially defensively and how active they are um, with a lot of different guys in a lot of different ways. And then um, offensively, just like as a coach, like watching them play offense, like the pace that they play with Hmm. and uh, how they move it between each other. Like, the ball never sticks, never sticks. It it moves so quickly from person to person. And that only happens when you have time, when you have guys that have been playing together. But, you know, you go through it and, you know, uh he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, but he plays within his role. He doesn't shoot outside of the paint, but he's really good at shooting those floaters, like, near the free-throw line. And he kind of lives on those, but, he's you know, he's gotten bigger, better, stronger. Now he's scoring around the basket. He's very athletic. Um, Tyler Colick is, you know, best point guard in the country and, you know, a preseason All-American. And then, you know, hey, oh, yeah, we got Cam Jones over here, his first team all league. Like, yeah. they have great pieces, and um, it, it's, it's fun to see from afar. It's not fun to play it, prepare. Sure. It's not fun to play against, but it's fun to see from afar. And it gives our guys, like, you know, one, like there's levels to this. <laughs> there's <laughs> levels to college basketball, yeah. right? Like you need to climb ladders to get to a certain level. And I think that's what these guys have done. I went back and looked up the stats. Iguodaro played five games as a freshman. Mm. Five. Yeah. Average five points a game as a sophomore. Maybe like two rebounds. Yeah. Like guys that stuck it out. He stuck
0: it out. He's gotten better.
1: And now he's going to get drafted in the first round.
0: How do you then build that? We'll finish on this question. This is the toughest challenge in this climate of college basketball. There's so much movement. I've gotten ready for hockey games, basketball games, football games. I look at the rosters and it's rare you see that now. Somebody that came in as a freshman and played five games or uh, had a limited role and now is going to maybe go off to the league in the first round. Like, you said in the post-game press conference you're trying to build a culture here, and it doesn't happen overnight, and the, the continuity of Marquette is what you want someday. So in year one, how do you do that? How do you set the foundation, and what are you trying to do to ensure that when we look back three, four years from now, that's where you are?
1: Yeah, uh, that was the first thing that, you know, as the game ended and Shaq and I were shaking hands and talking, and he said, I just once, I told him, I was like, your team's fantastic, man. Love watching you guys play. And he said, you guys were us three years ago. And he goes, hmm. He goes, now you just have to keep them, right? And that, that is. That's the, the biggest challenge right now is Keeping guys. you have to keep them. You have to keep your guys together. You have to keep your group together. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes with a trust factor of, you know, on a daily basis we try and make our guys better. We're trying to coach them to get better for for now, but for the future. And for what we see for them in the future in their professional chase.
3: Hmm.
1: So, like, if you don't trust the plan of what we're doing, or you you like know, you don't get a chance to see it every single day. You only see maybe game day, then hmm. you don't understand what we're doing. Um, that's where you know, maybe people get a little bit anxious right uh, about it. But, like, we put a lot of time into it. And, you know, Trey Whitted, Grady Eifert, spend so much time on the court with these guys and making them better. And mm-hmm. the rest of our assistant coaches as well, that, like, we're coaching guys to get better and be better. And there might be people that leave, mm-hmm. right? But they can't leave and say we didn't give them every – every ounce of energy that we had to make them better players. Sure. Um, and that's where, like, you can feel good about it at the end of the day. As a coach, right, if I want to keep this group together for a bunch of years in a row, and if somebody decides to leave, like, that's their own choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to be for the effort standpoint of what we gave each guy to get better.
0: mm mm-hmm. Coach, thanks. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to have, I think, the segment I've been looking forward to most all year, a little Coke taste test right after this.
4: Nice. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your friend's lucky jersey that's never been washed, and I'm stanking up the back seat, overpowering all of your senses, so you don't see the brake lights up ahead. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, you're going to be all out of luck. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem like me.
0: National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.
3: We know you like basketball. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a buzzer beater. There's 23 seconds left. Here we go. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your car and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Made it.
0: All right, Coach, this is going to be our best segment of the year. I know it is. We talked last week about your favorite drink being Dr. Pepper. We have Cherry Coke here. Our friends at Coke wanted to see if we could tell the difference between the different modes of transport for the Coke. You talked about it last week, and you said, what was your favorite? It was Fountain, right? Fountain, yes, number one. At a specific establishment that we won't necessarily get into, but they provided the ice today. They did provide the ice. So this is the ice that you said you prefer. And these are three different cherry cokes. There's no glass bottle, so we just have a plastic bottle, a can, and a fountain. And what we are going to try to do, and I'm going to participate as well, is we're going to see if we can identify which one is which. Now, before we start here, I want just looking at this, I yeah. see different What do you see? I see something that sticks out to me on number two, but I want to see if you identify that. Oh, I'm, I'm I see everything. Okay, tell me what you see. I see everything. Eat with your um, eyes. There is,
1: there is a lot of bubbles. M one, not as many in, in this one. Really, no bubbles there. In right? two. The, in
0: two. Two's lacking so bubbles. I'm starting like. Where I'm does like your head starting... go when you see that? I can't tell you because I don't want you to look at my answers. Okay. Okay. That's fine. We'll talk. We'll debrief after. Okay. For the record, you're right. Two has less bubbles. The bubble pattern on one and three does look similar to me. Um, and that's about all I got. Okay. So, should we just taste one? We'll keep it to ourselves. You yep. want to see? Okay. I'm going to go into one here. Okay. I have some thoughts. You've got that cleared up. By the way, this is also our Yeti Coldest Moment of the Week segment, so to cleanse my palate, I'm going to be using my Yeti. You've got your, your water there. Thank you, Yeti. some point in time, I'll have one of those. Just <laughs> <out here. laughs> so maybe someday the coach can get a, a Yeti. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have an idea? What, you don't have to tell me. What You have an idea where one is leaning you or what you think it came out of? No, I'm, I'm a I'm an analytics guy. So you gotta hear all
1: three. I need I need to see all three. I, I need you. to taste all okay. three and then okay. let my let my thoughts kind of process. Let's try number two. All
0: right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, let me corn the palate again. Sorry. Okay. These be-
1: are these are choices
0: of bottle fountain. No glass bottle. Plastic bottle. Plastic bottle. Fountain and can. Okay. (laughs)
2: Okay. I'm going
0: to go back to one. Yep, Yep.
1: This is great radio. Sis, I I apologize for the. Uh, no, that's okay. They, they'll make this look great. Okay, like sound of my gulp.
0: <laughs> okay. It's a great great holiday game for those of you listening at home. Get the family around and sample cherry cokes. Okay, before you reveal your answer and you can you can dive in. What you're going back and forth between is one and three, right? One and three. Two yeah. two I think is pretty clear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just confirm here with one.
1: Okay. I think i I've, I think I'm I'm set. Okay. Um final answer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what two is. Mm-hmm. One and three were a little they're called, They don't taste the same.
0: Right. One what are you and three tasting don't the taste difference? the same. What's the distinction?
1: I'm not sure what the distinction is, but they don't taste the same. Uh, okay. But I know what two is.
0: Okay, let's start with I two. I I know what two. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to say two is the bottle. Two is the bottle. I have two as the fountain. Wow, I thought we'd agree on this. Okay. You wanna just show you do you have all three written down or you haven't decided on one and three yet? Really? Really. I had I had can for one. Oh, we're completely different here. Wow. So someone's gonna be wrong. <laughs> someone's gonna be right. This one's gonna be interesting. Okay, let me let me talk through this. Two I thought was a little on the f- flatter side. Mm-hmm. And I think that can happen out of a fountain. And I'm also gonna guess, you know, if they had to walk the fountain over here. <laughs> Uh, the can, yeah. in the bottle might be fresher.
1: I didn't go with the the whole thought of the bottle, how long it took, yeah. or the the can and and how long it took and everything else.
0: Now, now I will say a fresh, like right out of the spigot fountain, is going to give you the best. Bubble that's what hit. number
1: one tasted like for me,
0: and that's why I thought it was can because I thought, I think can hits a little bit different than bottle. Bottle that the number three just tasted a little. I've actually gotten. Plastic. I've had some cans and they've come out. Really like
1: number two as well. Really, not very much fizzle, not very many bubbles to it. So maybe That's, you're right. Two could be can.
0: Yeah, that could be a dead can. You got there. Could be a dead can. Okay, dropped, kicked, <laughs>
1: everything else.
0: What <laughs> went to a tailgate, came back on the other side. Okay, uh, how do we? How do we? Have... Oh, oh my gosh, the answers are under the. Okay. Oh, it's like uh... where do we go for go two? Go two. Let's go two okay. first. Okay, two. it's underwear. Under the coaster, you ready? You want to pull your coaster? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Fountain. Look, wow. Look at that. Look at that. Wow.
1: As as a as a fountain connoisseur, I really um, fountain. I really feel different.
0: Feel different about my choices. I, I think that was a just in your defense. Yeah. I think you got that fountain about sixty to ninety minutes after it came out the spigot. <laughs> so so I don't think that's a true fountain. I think we'll justify. I think we'll give you a break there. All right, want to reveal number one here? Number one, this is gonna be. I could have. If this is a can, I sweep. Come on, can it is a can. Wow. wow, I went completely opposite. Dang. And so three is the bottle. Okay, three is a bottle. Now let me taste this again, real quick. I think that, yeah, the, the one just tastes like the freshest one. That's kind of what I came down to. And I think maybe knowing the fountain was, in my head, I was like, this fountain's probably been sitting here for a while. You know what else? And like, I'm not one to make excuses. No,
1: no, you never would know. But I'm going to make an excuse. (laughs) This is your post Coke press conference. I drink it. I I also drink a different brand of drink, but my can goes straight into one of those like coffee cups. I just take it down to practice and
0: drink it. No Ice. ice. No ice. I go, no ice. But we were talking about the ice last week. It's the key. Ice is is really key. So you're saying you're just you're just a little rusty. You haven't been playing with ice recently. And now you're back in the ice game and it's thrown you off. I, I will
1: say that one and three did taste fantastic.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to say that as a fact. They both tasted great. Two, which is obviously my favorite,
0: was just okay. okay. It was just okay. I think it was... It has been aging a little bit, that's all. <laughs> Coach, my favorite segment of the year. Thanks for doing the Coke taste test. Maybe we'll try it again at the end of the year and see if we can run it back with a couple different We'll varieties.
1: do so, yeah. I got to be better. <laughs> I got to be better. All right, I apologize. Watch
0: the film and, and get back to this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, Fighting Irish fans. We love that you're hanging out with us for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by tireact.com. TireAct.com has been revolutionizing tire buying since 1979, so you know they've got their game plan down. Ask their team of experts or help yourself using their extensive playbook. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make buying a new set of tires as easy as a layup. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireAct.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, social security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. All right, got a couple guys on the staff joining me. I like this. No players. Get the head coach out here. We can kind of gossip about everyone behind the scenes. we got Grady Eifert, Trey Whitted. Trey, how often do people call you Trey Whitehead? Is that a thing that happens a lot?
2: Uh, it's been common my whole life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I got it right, right? got it right. Whitted. Whitted. Right. I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking really everybody since the football season, the football players that came up with them. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see if Grady is actually old enough to relate to this. You sh- it should be in your wheelhouse though, Trey. So I'll start with oh, you. The pressure. Yeah, and <laughs> one mixtape. Yeah. Growing up, who
2: was your guy? Uh, probably Alamo. Oh, yeah. That's the first time I've heard that one. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah, Alamo was my guy, man. Um, big guard, could handle it. Uh, Creative, has some personality, a little swag to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Alamo for sure. Okay.
0: What about you, Grady? Now, how old were you? Is this not really in your wheelhouse?
4: Yeah. <laughs> you were like 26. So, <laughs> so you like I mean, I know old, like some of the getting... names. Like, I've heard of Hot Sauce or. I've heard of Hot Sauce, he says. Like, yeah, I, I've seen good. videos on them too, but like uh-huh. Cadillac. Um, those are, the, like, the two that stick out to me. But I don't remember, like, watching it, like, when I was growing up. Man,
0: I talked to, like, Marcus Burton. He's the same way. He's like, I've heard of him. Like, I've yeah, seen them, But it's yeah. like Professor, Hot Sauce, A-O, uh, Skip to my Lou. for Alston was, like, big deal, played in the NBA. Yeah. Do you even know what we're talking about? No, nah, like, some of
4: these days, <laughs> I'm like, I go, I say I'll go along with it. but So I say Skip to my Lou and nothing? You don't feel anything? No, not like, I mean, I've heard of them. Like, these are guys, like, I've heard and, like, hear that, that stuff. But, like, it's still... I can't like say, I, like, if you, you show me a picture, I, would, I couldn't name him.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm starting to, I will say it when as I do this show, I'm starting to feel like my dad a little bit. Like, if he yeah. said Pistol Pete to right. me, yeah. and now right. I'm like, oh, yeah. Pistol Pete, <laughs> whatever. And then you look at Pistol Pete's yeah. statue, like, oh my gosh, he this was guy like was, that. he was killing people. Yeah, for sure. for uh, sure. Let's, just for people that don't maybe know a ton about each of you, what I'd love to hear, because uh, I think your roles are so interesting on the team. And Trey, we'll start with you. Just describe your role as assistant to head coach and just what kind of your focus is day to day with the operation.
2: All right. Yeah, I'll I'll say my role is more of a just a servant.
4: Hmm.
2: Right. Like just being of service to, to Coach Shrews, um, helping them out with game preparation, um, being of service to the players in terms of their player development on and off the court. Uh my initial focus is on the offensive side of the ball, right? Okay. So just preparing coach and, and preparing our players for what to anticipate the opposing team's defense is doing. Right. Like, so team like Marquette, right. All There's a lot the to anticipate. <laughs> exactly. Right. So like just preparing them as much as possible to like look out for, you know, run and jump after timeouts, right. How they guard pick and rolls and things of that nature. And then uh, for the most part, just making sure like our guys are adjusting, you know, this being mm-hmm. their first year uh, with the staff or either first year of college basketball, making sure mentally, Right, they're they're uh, in alignment and um, handling things the right way. So,
4: what about you, Grady? Yeah, mine's mine's kind of on the other side of the ball. Uh, we kind of tease each other, just going back and forth. If you know we have a good defensive game, it's like, hey, like look what we're doing on the on the defense side of the ball. If they have a bad offensive game, it kind of goes. So I'm catching forth. a lot of heat. You're catching, especially on the road. You're, you're catching, catching yeah, heat. A lot <laughs> now, heat. Last year, last year <laughs> was it was a little different, but yeah, yeah. It, it goes back and forth. So it's it's good to have that. Um, just Helping out any way I can um, mm-hmm. with all the assistants, just getting them ready for scouts, um, Coach Shrews as well, and then helping out guys on the court, yeah. like coaching them up during practice. Or if I just see little things that, you know, I, I had problems with when I was a player, um, kind of just walking them through uh, some of that stuff. So whether it's even in just, like, practicing, watching film. Some guys don't know how to watch film. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just turn on highlights of themselves sometimes. So, like, just trying to show – show those guys uh, what they need to look for and w- like how they need to prepare going into each game. Cause sometimes it's, it's new for them. Like in high school, they're just watching huddle clips. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now there's so much more technology synergy. You can do so many different things uh, to prepare yourself for games. So educate me. Cause I've never had a chance to sit down
0: and watch film the way one of these guys might just take a player. For example, what is provided to them? What are you providing to them so yeah. that they can better themselves? Like, what does that look like? What is the, the clip size look like? What are they able to access now?
4: Yeah, I mean, anything from all of our practices are taped, so they can go back and watch all those practices. A lot of the times the coaches will go back and clip those up for them. Each clip's normally 10 to 15 seconds that they could watch, and okay. then uh, it kind of breaks down uh, different things. So like Trey for offense, he'll do different things as far as ball screen, like he was talking about earlier. And then defensively, it's like you're trying to find actions and see the alignments that they're in and then being able to call that out as a player, okay. recognizing that. So wow. that's something that they can continue to uh, learn from and, and work on.
0: How much has this technology changed, Trey, since your days? You played oh around gosh, you when I was me? in school, <laughs> mid-2000s. <Man>. So
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's changed so much. Like you, you look at someone like Coach Shrews. Coach Shrews actually coached me when I was in college. Right. right? So we go way back as well as uh, our associate head coach, Cal Getter. But the technology was like DVDs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they were – well, actually, you know what DVDs with, are, Grady? With, yes. Okay. <laughs> with Go Ruse, it was tapes, I believe, his first like, first two years. Yeah, he was cutting tapes. I don't know how he did it or how he made it work. And then once KG came in and moved to uh, to DVDs, and we didn't have individual clips. Like, it was, like, you watched it as a team, and, you know, you got exposed, like, in front of the team. It wasn't a whole lot of, like, individual attention at
0: it, all, It's so. probably harder to to scout. Like, literally, just didn't have as much
2: information exactly. on other literally teams, dry, right? Exactly. When they drive to, like. Yeah, they would James. drive and meet, like, like neutral teams yeah. like who played the same team. And pass, off, right? and pass it off, right? Pass it off, yeah. It was a grind. <sighs>
0: These they kids, grind. they just have they no idea it. how it's, good they have it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You said you played for Coach Shrews back in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about him, maybe when you were a player, let you know that you wanted to be aligned with him when you got into the profession?
2: Uh, I just think, like, just him as an overall human being, man. He's mm. just he's incredible. Um and I didn't really, you know, at that age, I didn't understand his, like, his genius when it came to basketball. It was just him as a as a person. Uh, one thing that stands out, like, just being a freshman, you know, him and Molly invite me over to their small apartment in Huntington, West Virginia, and just preparing a meal for me, always making sure I was good. Um, and it's his, his ability just to connect. Like, you see his personality. Yeah. Like, he was the same way back then. So... Being attached to someone like that was, was, was huge. Um, it's definitely a blessing. Uh, it's inspiring, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he's just great, like, overall.
0: What about you, Grady? You're, you're newer into the profession, but you kind of got aligned line with him pretty quickly. Just just what about him was somebody, made him someone that you wanted to, to work for as you start your career?
4: Yeah, just the stages, like, he's been through. Like, he's talked about it in interviews, and people have done stories on him before, but just, like, he's had every job in the book. Yeah. And it kind of relates to me just of being a walk-on. Like, you've kind of you go through practices, you might not shoot the ball or touch the ball. Like at Purdue, my first first got there, those two years, like we had so many talented players. Like I wasn't doing much in practice, so you kind of just pick up on the little things. I think that's how Coach Cruz has kind of gotten to where he's gotten is because of doing some of those little type uh, projects and jobs throughout his career, and now you can see it come into. full circle. So like that that to me kind of sticks out. You hit on something I
0: I did want to ask both of you because you both had playing careers different places, different paths, but you've got such a young team like you said. It sounds like, you know, it's a it's a unique challenge with just so many people that are new to college basketball. So I'll start with you, Grady, and then ask you Trey kind of the same question. Just how much does your personal basketball journey through Purdue, like you said, walk on, had to earn your minutes, and then there was a payoff. I talked to coach earlier. He was talking about a guy like Igadaro at Marquette didn't play early he's seen the whole process through and now he's having a great career how much does that help you when you're trying to talk to these guys that are starting their basketball journey and for some of them right now it might not be going the way they want it to but you're able to communicate to them hey like you stick this out the right way it'll pay dividends in the end
4: yeah that's the biggest thing is like everybody wants it so bad when you first get there and like i understand that like that's what you that's what you've worked so hard for the last, you know, eight years of playing basketball or however long you've played basketball then you get to that moment, it's like you're not getting as many reps. You're not getting as many minutes. So, like, if you can adjust to that quicker, uh, the more successful, successful career you'll have yeah. earlier on, too. I think that's a big jump for like freshmen and even sophomores and guys that, you know, maybe had a good freshman year. Things don't go as well. Their sophomore year, like they want to get back to that moment is like just keep putting in the work, keep chipping away. And uh, if you can get over that and find your role earlier, I think that leads to more success and having a better career.
0: What about you, Trey? You had a career at Marshall that Mm -hmm. was maybe different than Grady's, but
2: still I'm sure there's guys on the team you can relate your experience to them as well, right? I think one of my biggest challenges uh, was like the fear of failure. Hmm. You know what I mean? And I I can see that a lot, particularly in the young guys. They are so afraid to make a mistake, you know? So just – encouraging them to have the courage to try and fail. Mm -hmm. In some cases, try, fail, get yelled at, and try again. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But, like, that's that's a process in itself, right? But just being able to relay, like, hey, I remember there was a game I missed, like, ten free throws in a row. You know what I mean? Like, And just being vulnerable enough to admit that and let those guys know, like, I've been to the lowest of the lows, Mm -hmm. right? And I know – you know, I've developed coping mechanisms and, and, and ways to kind of um, go about performing at a high level, even in, like amidst all the, the nerves and the anxiety and things of that nature. So
0: Th- That leads me to an interesting follow-up then <clears throat> because this past game, Marquette is a great example of like, I don't want to call it a failure necessarily, but there were moments of failure in that game, right, where people didn't meet their expectations. Mm-hmm. Not that you want that experience, right? You want to go to Marquette and you want to win. Yeah. But how do you then, as a coach, take that and tell them like hey we went here and like we can't be scared of this kind of result we have to learn from it how do you communicate that to make sure that 18 year
2: olds take the right lessons away i think the focus like for me personally is just like how do you maintain a growth mindset right how do you look at you know ways in which you can you can grow from and i think one of the biggest things we take away from it is that team was a mirror of who we want to be mm. Right. It's a mirror of like what we have the capability of becoming, you know, how hard they play, the pace they play with on the offense, um, the way they share the ball. Like we know what it's like to go against it and guard it. Like, why not have that same uh, tenacity on the on the offensive end? So I think um I really just paying attention to uh, ways we can improve, you know, and then another like great thing we were talking about. It was just the environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that should encourage you to want to win even more so we can get, uh, you know, our spot jumping the
4: same way. So. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Yeah, I mean, just going through that, um, just the the environment, like like we said, like we walked out, I think it was like 15 or 16 minutes ago on the clock. Like, we walked back in for the pregame speech, and it was a decent crowd at the time. And then I didn't get back out there till literally right when the national anthem was about to start. And the whole place was filled. Yeah. Jumping. And I could you just you felt the energy. For, inside a, late the building. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. a late tip too. Yeah, for a late tip. You just felt the energy. So I think it's great for our guys to kind of go through that process now. And everybody I've talked to, other coaches and you know, other players that have have watched us, they they've said kind of the same things as like, Man, it is great for you guys to go through this experience. Yeah. Like they're gonna grow, they're gonna keep getting better. I think that's great for those guys, those young guys and then some of those older guys that haven't had the chance to kind of show their, like junior hasn't got got a chance to really show his talent. He's now facing all those uh, big-time games. And so I think every time we get a chance like that, just have to take something from it. Yeah. have to learn mm-hmm. something from it and move on to the next game and uh, continue to build it. I want to get you guys out of here on a question about
0: Notre Dame. I'll save Grady for the last one because we've got a lot of Notre Dame connections to cover with yeah. you. Right. But, Trey, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming here, what's the experience been like? What What about Notre Dame? excites you uh, getting a chance to be a part of this community and this basketball program?
2: Uh, I think we said it from the start. It's the pursuit of excellence, right? Um, I think having that expectation, you know, every day you walk into work, you know, that's mm. what you're, that's what you're after. You're, you're competing for growth, but you're also uh, competing and you're playing for championships, right? So there's always that carrot in front of you just to continue to grind work hard. Uh, my fiance, like, Obviously, she's here. She's working for Notre Dame. Um, we love the the town. Like we always say, like it's there's just so much more to do than State College, right? Where we were previously. And right. people were like, what? Like it's still South Bend. But it's like, trust me, like we have a mall we can go to, right? <laughs> Shots like, fired at State College. Exactly. Dang. Pow, pow. No, it was a great <laughs> town. But, um, but no, it's incredible. like to be so close to uh, Chicago, yeah. right? Be so close to Naptown. major cities. Got uh, Indy? Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Don't yeah, sleep yeah. on Nap so it's It's all good. It's great. <laughs> Okay, hold on, Grady, your brother played tight end here. Yep. I believe your sister is married to Zach Martin. Is that true? Yep. So your your familiarity with Notre Dame runs deep. Yep. What's it mean to now be here working at this university?
4: First, I, my my little my little brother went here too. I got to give a shout out to him. He's a, <laughs> so I, I didn't mean to overlook him <laughs> as well. He, yeah. He's a walk on too. So he's just finishing up though. Um, but just just to have the connection uh, close to home and I grew up going to a lot of these football games. Like, we used to play, I was telling Trey, right outside our office, we used to play tackle football, and it was, like, where the band practices. Like, we'd play in, like, that fenced-in area. So just to be able to see it, like, change so much since I've been back here. Um, But it's just a special place. Like, it's hard to put into words, and then, like, until people, like, actually show up and come here, like, it it really is a special place. Mm -hmm. And you can do great things here. So, like, that's another piece of, like, you have got the resources, uh, the people are great around here, and uh, you can really do some special things here. And it's just got a, it's got a special feeling. I, I know I'm gonna keep saying it, but like, there is something special about it.
0: Yeah, and you can go to the mall. Yeah, the
4: mall, <laughs> hey, the mall. All right, there Trey. Was no mall in State College. <laughs>
0: there was no mall. Trey, yeah. Grady, thanks for coming by. Absolutely. We're gonna take a quick
3: break. Cool.
0: Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union 1, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and shoes from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union 1 branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumberoneorg
5: oneorg Irish, federally insured by NCUA Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
0: Okay, we now get a chance to catch up with a guest that I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time. He's someone I stay in touch with and I'm very happy to see on the screen looking back at me. It is, of course, the voice of the Irish, Jack Nolan In retirement, Jack, I get the question every time I go on the road, whether it's with a former road engineer you worked with on the radio broadcasts or even an opposing broadcaster. They always ask me, how is Jack Nolan doing? So for those listening at home, update us on how you're doing in retirement out there in Florida.
5: Well, doing pretty well, Tony. And I'll admit, I still miss calling the basketball games. It was a love of my life, but you've only got one life. And I'd done it for a long time, and I have had the opportunity to do things there's no way, as you know, you can do when you are in the all encompassing profession uh, of announcing games. I mean, a lot of folks followed us online. We first started posting vacations. Rhonda and I went to Russia, I think in 2015, put a few photos up, and couldn't believe how many people enjoyed it. And if we didn't post today, I'd get messages where are the photos? So we learned that people like that, so we posted our around-the-world cruise, 111 days. Um, Supposed to be 50 ports, ended up being 46. We ran into a cyclone, so that killed a few (laughs) ports. Uh, 29 countries, but it was just fascinating. I'm getting to do those kinds of things, uh, get to watch as a fan, in all honesty. uh, You are a workout fanatic. I always wanted to be, but I was a worry wart. so it was either work out or redo that script one more time. I always redid the script one more time, even though it didn't need to be done. Uh, So paying more attention to that aspect of the life as well. So I'm doing good. Yeah, I still yell, got it sometimes in the living room. I yelled it a few times at Miami, uh, missed you down there, drove down to watch that game. Uh, But overall, I I have no complaints. Ron and I are blessed that we have reached the point where you get to do whatever you want to do and do fun stuff.
0: I now know why my scripts aren't as good as yours. Um, <laughs> I, wanted say to, that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that Miami game. As you said, I wasn't there obviously watched it on TV and listened to Connor's call when he was filling in. You got to see this team up close and personal yeah. coach Shrewsbury is in his first year. And I think you have a really unique vantage point, Jack, because you saw this team up close for so long. And as you said, you now get to watch it through a different lens as a fan And as someone that's obviously very educated about what it takes to succeed at this level, which I think gives you great insight to share with us on what you saw in that really at the point was their toughest road trip of the year. They just had a tough one again against Marquette, but that was a great kind of measuring stick for them. What did you see in that game up close and personal? And what have you seen in the first month and a half under coach Shrewsbury uh, that you've enjoyed from afar?
5: Well, I've seen a team that works really hard. A lot of effort on the team, uh, a team that plays really good defense. I mean, I think they held Miami what 66 points. Normally, you hold a ranked team to that few points, you're going to win. Um, they got a problem. They can't score. I mean, they've got the tough stuff down, and that's the effort in the defense. But they're also young. They're still getting into a flow, uh, getting into a comfort level offensively. I think by the end of the season they will become better on the offensive end but I mean it's not that surprising uh that they would be struggling a bit offensively what's the number tony 97% of the points from last year are gone I mean it's Yeah a I think 98 are
0: gone yeah it's unbelievable
5: yeah and it's all young um and uh, I got to go to a couple practices early one over the summer uh, the day of the Ohio State game, I caught the tail end, but not like when I was there or everyone on the road trip and two or three during the week when I was, you know, completely embedded. But they obviously work hard. I like the staff. They work hard, very personable, um, but intense when they need to be. Uh, I think uh, Coach Frisbury is, he's a player's coach, but more like a dad. He embraces them, but he also disciplines them when they need to have that He seems to have a connection. So I think the future does look bright. But, you know, even, you know, 30 years ago when I was doing sports talk, nobody wanted to hear it. But it just flat out is harder at Notre Dame. You got to work harder in the classroom uh, and you're there to be a student and they won't let you slack off. I don't care NAL or not. The professors still expect you to show up for class and do the work. And it's competitive in the classroom. So it's going to take a while to build it back up. Coach Gray had built a wonderfully successful program. Um, And so now you're going to have to do that again. And I'm convinced that given time, they will do just that. I mean, Marcus Burton has the potential to be a superstar. Um, Very few freshmen can come in and do what he has done. Chris Thomas is really the only one um, that came in without any hiccups. Uh, Obviously, Demetrius Jackson had some hiccups. Uh, our, our good friend Blake Wesley, what a great player, but even he had hiccups. He was so good. He was still productive, even when we had a game when he struggled a bit. But yeah. uh, so for Marcus to have some struggles now uh, is understandable. And after opponents found out what he could do, since no one else is consistently scoring, he's marked man number one now for every opponent take him out. And I think he's actually adjusted fairly well in the games I've seen. I haven't seen much frustration. He realizes that he's going to have to get other folks involved, and that's his job as the point guard to begin with, but he's not forcing things. So, I mean, I love their effort. It's just a little frustrating that they're having trouble scoring, and I'm hoping that will happen. I'm excited to see how he develops and how the team
0: develops. Uh, I want to now kind of broaden out and do some – career retrospective with you and go back to the glory days a little bit. Cause one of the things I, uh, when looking at some of the feedback and questions we got for this show is all about favorite calls and and this, that, and the other. So I want to just check with you. We do our coldest moment of the week segment on this show. We already did it, but I'm going to give you kind of a, an additional coldest moment of the week opportunity, coldest moment of the career, Jack, what is your favorite call that you had a chance to put out into the world when you were in this position. I have I have the one I think it might be, but I I'm not sure. So I want to know what comes to mind when you think your favorite call of all time. So it's not a game, it's a call. It can be a game, it can be the call at at a point in the game that comes to mind. It's it's whatever comes to mind first, I think is. Well, I thinking.
5: think the the organic evolution of got it hmm. is probably the trademark of my career as i went from fresh out of journalism school and you've got to be objective to be a journalist with growing my relationship uh, with the players to at the end actually working for the university and considering myself to be subjectively objective and that i was going to tell you the truth but i wasn't going to leave any doubt as to who i wanted to win and the that's got more and more intense as time went on um you know, I think, and it was the wrong rocket, but when Jaron Grant went up for that dunk and I said he fired the retro rockets, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's up there. And then I always regretted it because I actually had aeronautical people say, well, no, no, those would have been the booster rockets. The retro rockets slow you down. And I'm like, oh, well, geez, so <laughs> Jack,
0: come on. We got we to gotta um, be uh, scientifically based
5: in fact on this, on this broadcast. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that one's fun. I think it's more games than just a call because basketball is not like uh, football. I mean, my favorite football call was probably a lot of folks may have forgotten. But when I got there, WNDU broadcast all the games that weren't on uh, ABC or CBS. Uh, The uh, people of South Bend many years before it actually sued the NCAA and won when they tried to limit uh, the televising of Notre Dame football games. And because when I got there in 1982, uh, the South Bend market was still less than 50% penetrated by cable television. Even when ESPN did the game, they had to give us a feed, uh, which was always interesting because sometimes their announce crew would show up on our air and I would say, well, those are our good friends from ESPN, uh, also calling the game today. But uh, I, there was one touchdown uh, that Tony Rice scored and I, I said, you know, he gets away 40-30, and I paused, and I said, destination end zone for Tony Rice. So, And I really like that one. Football, yeah. you can pick out a call. I think basketball is more an emotion. I guess, well, probably the end. My favorite game was the five-overtime win over Louisville. That's what um, I had. That was the one I picked out. Yep. Yeah, and when I said at the end, there's the fighting Irish win, and not one, not two, not three, not four. Not five, yes, I stole it from LeBron James, but uh, overtimes. That was probably the favorite at the end. The only time I ever planned anything was when they won the ACC championship, and I had planned to say, and it didn't sound as smoothly as it normally does, you know, the Irish have reached the end of the ACC tournament rainbow and they've found a pot of golden shamrocks. Matter of fact, our good friend Alan Wazalewski was so mad at me. He said, you wrote that. And he cut the highlights and the highlights were all me, but he cut to the ESPN version for the Irish or ACC champions because he didn't like the fact that I planned it.
4: Oh, he ow, liked it more on, than it
5: was man. just off the top of the head. So uh, I that was something that still uh, I go back and forth on. But they're better when you just let it grow organically sure. if you're kind of full of it like I am. <laughs> we all
0: are. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. And I'll give you some time to think All right. five. I'm going to call it your five favorite Notre Dame men's basketball players to watch when you oh. were broadcasting here. I know it's going to be tough.
4: Like
5: asking and... me for my five favorite children. <laughs> well, or your five um, favorite cats. It's the same thing. The, God, there were so many. Cause it was 39 years. Um, you can just, Lofonzo, be Ellis that is certainly one it. of them. Lofonzo has to be one of them. Um, God, there were so many. Bonzi has to be one of them. Uh, Pat Connaughton, just because he was such an incredible leader on and off the court, the things that he could do, that he was always surprising you, uh, and the way that he led by actions, uh, by reactions. Um, Pat Garrity uh, at the end of the Big East era, on Notre Dame teams that weren't very good and almost every game that they won in the Big East when he was there was because of him. Mm-hmm. He would get the crap beat out of him and he would never back down. Got I mean, anybody. There's so many of them. I hate to do five. I mean, I could go on and on with with 10. Um, I need just one more. You give me one more. I got a starting five. I know. And I'm trying to pick. I, I don't when I first got there, John Paxson. That's a pretty uh, good five, Jack. We got and Paxson, Gary. We Again, the, the leadership quality of it. Um, but, I mean, they just, they're, there's so many other ones as well. There've just been so many really good players. I mean, Chris Thomas, a healthy Chris Thomas. I love watching Chris play. And I also love watching him gut it out at the end when everybody thinks he digressed. But his right knee was a mess. And people have no idea how much pain he played in his senior year. He was fun to watch, especially as a, as a young guy that didn't know his limits. He didn't think there was anything he couldn't do. And that was fun as well. Uh, so that's that's part of it right there. But there's, there's been so many and so many teams I've loved watching.
0: Now, th- those are all great picks. And as you know, we could have picked a first, second, and third team with, with who you saw here. Last one before we take a quick break uh, for our From the Irish segment. Is a question I've asked a lot of people. Now you did not go to school here, but I'm gonna give it to you because no. you were here for ages. Between the two dining halls, North and South Dining Hall, yeah. which did you prefer in the times
5: that you maybe managed to to visit either one of them? Well, you gotta understand most of my career was based over at WNDU and the dining hall was a long way away. You know, newsrooms ate at fast food places. We didn't get to eat as well at the dining hall. I think probably, I didn't eat a lot at either dining hall, but South dining hall wins. There's no question about
0: that. Okay. I'm a North dining hall guy. I've been pushing people on this. What's your reason for South? Do you just like the aesthetics? Is that well, what? I only ate at
5: North once, but I mean, <laughs> I was just um, fascinated by all the variety when I went there. Hmm. I mean, virtually anything you wanted to eat on a given day was there. You had your Mexican and your Italian and your vegetables and your burgers and your sandwiches and your steaks. I mean, I just, uh, for a guy that uh, has always eaten a little bit too much, it was just (laughs) like heaven.
0: (laughs) All right, Jack, we're going to take a quick break and then come back from the Irish segment. All right, Jack, it's time for our From the Irish segment presented by Tyrac.com. As always, we seek out listener-submitted questions. We got this one from Kathy A. Okay, She submitted, and she said, What was your favorite port on your world cruise, and why? This is a great
5: question. And, of course, you know me. I'm not going to give a simple answer. <laughs> favorite port was Morea near Tahiti, just in the South Pacific. It was just absolutely gorgeous and we took a snorkeling trip and went to a tiny little island and ate native food and learned about native traditions but it was like you were in a technicolor movie um it was just beautiful and and that was basically it it was the sharks would come little sharks come and swim around your feet it was wonderful Best part of the cruise was australia and new zealand i mean that was my favorite region and it might even be melbourne because i went to the Yarra Valley wine country uh And and that was just terrific. So uh, region, New Zealand, Australia. We're going to go back because we lost three New Zealand ports to a Cyclone. But favorite port was Morea just because it was just so beautiful.
0: Well, Jack, I, along with Kathy, we were envious of following along when you were on that 111-day cruise. You posted all the ports. Uh, I'm glad you got to see them. Hope you get to get back to New Zealand, like you said. And thank you to you for always being so supportive of me. You were great mentor when I was uh, here at the same time as you on campus. It's been great to stay in touch uh, since you left campus and went off into retirement. So appreciate everything. Obviously you did for the university while you're here, but of course for me uh, in this transition as well. And it's always great to catch up.
5: Always great. Anytime. Glad to do it. And you know, next time I'm driving by the arena, if you get sick, just call me.
0: And I will know who will have uh, spiked my food as well, how I came
5: down with that illness. No, I would not do that. Not at this point. Maybe a couple of years ago, but not now. I'm enjoying my
0: life. <laughs> Jack Nolan, as always, thanks for the time. And we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. That's a wrap for this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by Tireact.com. Thanks to all our guests, as well as Coke this week, for setting us up with that blind taste test. Micah Shrewsbury, Trey Whitted, Grady Eifer, and of course, the longtime voice of Notre Dame men's basketball, Jack Nolan. As always, we ask that you download and subscribe. Leave us a review as well, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and also go to the YouTube channel. Smash the like button. Subscribe there as well, if you can. We're back with women's basketball next week. We'll have a chance to catch up with Neal Ivey and her team after that big win a few weeks ago at Tennessee. And then also a very special guest will be joining us on that show as well. You will not want to miss next, week, next week's episode of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireAct.com. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.